Medical cannabis. Who knew that a plant could be the cause of so much controversy, discovery, and insight? Whether you're well-versed in the science of the endocannabinoid system, CBD, THC, and terpenes, or whether you're a skeptic curious to learn more about the real-world experiences of medical professionals and patients, we all have unanswered questions about what cannabis does, how it works, and whether it's a safe and effective medical treatment for a myriad of different health conditions. That's why each week on the Cannabis Friendly Guide to Wellness podcast, we'll talk with Dr. Joe Cohen, founder of Holos Health, a medical cannabis expert who over the past 10 years has treated over 25,000 patients with medical cannabis. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Amy Silverman. Hi, Dr. Cohen. Hi, how are you doing, Amy? I'm good. How are you today? Doing great. Good. I'm... So excited. I know you're very excited to do this episode as well. It's It's been a long time coming. And um, so we're going to be talking about autoimmune disease and the use of cannabis in the treatment of autoimmune disease. But before we get into the second half, which is how, how cannabis can be used to help treat autoimmune issues, we want to do a little bit of an overview and background um, about autoimmune disease because, um, well, it's your area of expertise, and um, we both, I think, have have some personal interest um, in in autoimmune disease. And in addition, it's one of those areas of um, science and medicine and healthcare that is not. Um, really well understood um, by the healthcare system. And um, so hopefully people who are listening to this will have some um, insight into kind of what autoimmune disease is and, and how it works and, and be able to get some information that they might be able to apply to their life. Um, so I, before we get into what autoimmunity is, how, I want to ask you how you got into this. How, how did you become um, kind of an expert in autoimmune disease? Well, that's called self-teaching. Um, basically, I, you know, am an OBGYN by trade over the years. Uh, never really dealt with autoimmune except for a lot of pregnant patients who may have autoimmune conditions when they came in. So about... Um, Oh, probably 11 or 12 years ago, I went to a, a medical conference in Australia um, when I was uh, living in New Zealand uh, at that time and started to hear some things about autoimmunity, which I wasn't aware of. And when I came back to the States about 11 years ago, I got involved because my wife has uh, two different autoimmune diseases. She has both uh, fibromyalgia and she has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and she was to the point where uh, she was to the point of disability, really, because of her conditions. So I took an interest in learning about autoimmune disease so that I could help her try to figure out uh, what we can do to lessen her symptoms or improve her, her life in general. Um, so that was about uh, 11 years ago. I went to, first conference I went to when I got back uh, from New Zealand here in the States was uh, there was a speaker who was talking about um, gut health and, uh, and she was talking about uh, an article, a research article that was actually in Scientific American by Alessio Fasano, 
who's a pediatric gastroenterologist from the East Coast and did all kinds of research into autoimmune disease. And it was his article that I read that changed everything. And this talk today, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is based on Alessio Fasano's uh, groundbreaking work. So I came into this for personal reasons, uh, trying to help my wife uh, as much as I could. And at the same time, uh, when, got, when I got into cannabis medicine uh, 10 years ago, I started to realize that cannabis may actually have an effect. Uh, so started combining what I learned from Alessio Fasano and his research to cannabis medicine. And I have to tell you, I love working with autoimmune patients. And the reason I love it is because it is, I see the most, the most positive results I can see of any issues that I treat with autoimmune. Uh, and it's so good to see people year after year where their symptoms are improving or they go into remission uh, and their life completely changes. And that's basically how I got into it and why I'm so passionate about autoimmune disease, as you'll hear as we go through this discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I um, have the same passion for the same reasons, got into this because of personal issues with autoimmunity. And um, I can definitely support that statement that we see a lot of patients who have amazing results um, in utilizing cannabis along with other kind of lifestyle and diet issues that we're going to get into um, because they're able to understand kind of the root cause. Um, And that's like the functional medicine perspective on on what's going on. So before we get too into details, um, I want to just talk about what autoimmune disease is. And um, I'm hoping that you can kind of give us an overview of what autoimmune disease is. Yeah. So autoimmune disease in one quick sentence, it can be defined as damage to normal body cells and tissues caused by an abnormal immune response. That's basically what autoimmune disease is. And there are 80 known and 40 suspected autoimmune-related disorders. There is an organization uh, known as AARDA, which means uh, the American Autoimmune-Related Disease Association. Uh, And they basically have uh, found 80 known, 40 suspected. And as we see these suspected autoimmune-related disorders, uh, we find more and more things come into that category. One, as an example, which we never thought of, uh, thought of as autoimmune-related, is Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And now we know that has a relationship. Endometriosis, there's so many different related uh, disorders to autoimmune, to the point where one out of every six Americans now has an autoimmune-related disease. That's uh, 50 million at least Americans, and we see an epidemic of autoimmune disease here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, the burden of that falls on women. They're, the women are more likely to um, have autoimmune disease. Um, and one thing that's so interesting to me about autoimmune issues is that what you said, they're kind of all related in the sense that the immune system when it kind of goes out of whack, um, it 
the 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 underlying foundation is that it you lose the ability to differentiate between what's normal self cells, normal tissues, and what's abnormal. And so the immune system needs to have that ability to know what is actually part of you and your body and what is not part of you and your body to be able to act appropriately. And so a lot of these autoimmune diseases share that same kind of um, cellular uh, mechanism in, in terms of how they um, work, how, how it functions in the body, what goes wrong. And what goes wrong is the, the inability for that, for the body to determine what is self and what is not. And, um, you know, sometimes, um, it's hard to see how these different diseases that can impact different parts of the body are related. And it's also hard to diagnose them because they can cause symptoms in so many different areas, depending on what part of the body is being affected. Um, and so people often have trouble getting a diagnosis and it causes a lot of frustration. Um, so one of the things we want to talk about um, is kind of how, how autoimmune diseases develop. That what, are the, what are the triggers? Um, and I know that we talk to patients a lot about this when they come to our office. So um, Dr. Cohen, I was hoping that you would be able to share kind of what you go through with patients in terms of how how these how these processes, these abnormal immune processes, are triggered and how they result in diseases that can affect all different parts of your body. That's right. We're going to try to keep it simple um, and uh, give you a really good explanation. If you or a loved one, somebody you know has autoimmune disease, this can be really important information. You know, we see patients uh, who come to our practice because we specialize in cannabis as well as functional medicine. And we see patients coming in for cannabis to try to treat whatever conditions, such as autoimmune conditions and symptoms related to that. Um, it, they've been to several doctors. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, we, we know that uh, women, as an example, who go to physicians uh, with these symptoms, they'll go to five different doctors on average before somebody figures out what's going on. Uh, so it gets really frustrating for, for patients to, you know, you know something's wrong, you can't figure it out, but you go to doctor after doctor after doctor, and, and they basically tell you it's all in your head, uh, you know, that... Uh, you need to see a psychiatrist or or have some therapy uh, because they don't really realize how autoimmune works. So yes, there are uh, several factors that can lead to autoimmune disease. And when I meet with my autoimmune patients, we talk about what I call the pathophysiology of autoimmune. How how does it work in the body? So every patient that we see with autoimmune, I give an explanation of how they got to where they are. Because once you fi find how you got to where you are with this condition, then you could start to work on a plan to get out of there and to correct, self-correct. There's also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, alluded to a few minutes ago, uh, autoimmune diseases are, are very closely related. So I have patients who have more than one autoimmune disease. My wife has two. I have uh, patients who, I have a patient who has six. I have another patient who has eight different autoimmune conditions that have been diagnosed. And that's because it's all one big umbrella. So think of, let's say there's anywhere from 80 to 120 different autoimmune diseases out there, okay? 
there is a common thread uh, to developing these autoimmune diseases. And because there's a common thread, that's why we see people with more than one autoimmune condition very commonly within our practice. So people will go to doctors and, and not be diagnosed or eventually be diagnosed, and then they'll come in and say, I have X, Y, or Z autoimmune condition, and they want to be treated for their pain or uh, other symptoms that they might have. So I like to start uh, with a little bit of a history. Uh, do you have any family history of autoimmune diseases? A lot of patients don't even know. They don't know what autoimmune diseases are, except they were diagnosed with something. So a lot of times I can't get a good family history uh, because their family members may have gone to X number of doctors and never had a diagnosis. So uh, our patients often don't even know, but commonly they will say, oh yes, my grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis, her fingers were all distorted or whatever. Uh, so we will uh, get some patients who give us a good history, but many people don't know when their family members have autoimmune disease. It runs in families. So let's talk about that first. So when we're talking about running in families, we're, we're talking about genetics. There's a genetic predisposition to autoimmune disease. The, um, and we're gonna talk about what that gene is in just a minute. There's a second factor though, that we'll also be talking about extensively, uh, and that's gonna be a trigger. There are many triggers that can bring on autoimmune disease and people who may not have developed in the past. But there's one primary trigger, and then there are what I call secondary triggers to uh, put people over the edge where they may not develop autoimmune and something happens to them. It could be a physical or emotional stressor, which all of a sudden puts them over the edge, and then they start having more and more symptoms and then eventually get diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. So there's a gene, there's uh, triggers, and we'll talk about the primary in a minute. And then the third factor that we see with the majority of our patients, the great majority of our patients who have autoimmune conditions is what we call leaky gut, where bacteria, viruses, and toxins leak through the small intestine and get into your bloodstream. So I'm going to give you an explanation according to Alessio Fasano's work on how that happens. So having said that, let's start with... Uh, the gene. The majority of patients that we see who have an autoimmune condition will have the gene for non-celiac gluten sensitivity. They could have celiac disease or non-celiac. Celiac disease, uh, we, we have a lot of patients, patients who come in misdiagnosed. They, uh, I'll say, uh, I'll talk about the gene for celiac and, and celiac is, has to do with, uh, wheat, rye, barley. It has to do with a certain type of gluten called gliadin. When you have a genetic predisposition to, uh, non-celiac or celiac disease, that means simply that you have a sensitivity to a certain protein, uh, called gliadin, which is in found, which is found in wheat, rye, and barley. So the primary trigger has to do with the gene, which is you likely may have a gluten sensitivity issue. And it may be that gluten, which is in wheat, rye, and barley may actually be affecting you. And we have changed the wheat plant over the years. So in 1943, uh, we started hybridizing wheat. 
so this is over 75 years ago. We started hybridizing wheat in this country. It went from a four and a half foot tall plant to a foot and a half tall plant. Now it has much more gliadin, much more gluten in it than uh, the plants that they have, say, in Europe and other parts of the world where they haven't allowed uh, what we call Monsanto wheat in or dwarf wheat. Wheat used to be four and a half feet tall. Uh, the Monsanto or dwarf wheat is a foot and a half tall, multiple times the amount of gliadin. But on top of that, what we do in this country is we spray it with a toxin that's in glyphosate, uh, which is uh, what's in like Roundup. And the toxin, uh, what's in, I should, the toxin is in Roundup and it's called glyphosate. So glyphosate is known to cause all kinds of harm to our body. It throws our whole gut microbiome off, gets rid of, changes the bacterial content in our gut, and that makes everything worse. So we have a double whammy. We have much more of the gliadin in the plants that we grow, and then we spray it with glyphosate, which is causing all kinds of additional problems. So what happens is, uh, what I was going to mention is some people will go to their doctor and they'll be tested for gluten sensitivity. But the test that they do is often the wrong test. What they're looking for is celiac disease. Celiac disease affects one out of every 133 people, whereas gluten sensitivity from non-celiac is epidemic. Uh, many of us, including myself, my children, my wife, we're all gluten sensitive and we found that out. Because when we gave up gluten, it's amazing what happened to our bodies. Uh, things started to change. And you don't even need to be tested for uh, gluten sensitivity. You can just eliminate certain foods from your diet. And you'll know within a period of uh, three to six months if you are gluten sensitive or you can be tested. But the test that most physicians do is an anti-gliadin antibody and a tissue transglutaminase. Those are the typical tests we do looking for celiac. So they'll go to the doctor, they'll say, you know, I eat bread or something and, and I don't feel so good. They'll they have somebody say, well, you're fine. You don't have celiac disease because these tests are negative. The problem is they're not the right test. They're not, they are not looking for non-celiac, which is most of us who have right. the issue. right. From what I understand about the genetic modification of wheat and the the toxin in Roundup and other pesticides and herbicides that are used in the kind of conventional cultivation of the plant, that those, for some people, are even enough to cause damage to their gastrointestinal tract and and their body. And I guess the the part that I wanted to ask you about was how how that works. Yeah, um, yeah if that makes sense. Yeah, if you, yeah, could, so if you could kind of get into that. Yeah, let's talk about what's actually happening. So let's assume that you're gluten sensitive, okay? Um, and you eat something that has gliadin. Um, let's say you're having bread or whatever it is that contains that type of gluten. When you eat that and you're gluten sensitive, it goes to your small intestine to be absorbed. Now, your small intestine is where your food gets absorbed in your body. It's the largest organ in our body. It's about 20 uh, feet long, winds around, uh, one cell layer thick. Think of the cells 
that line your small intestine where your food gets absorbed. Think of those cells as tile and the space between the cells as grout. When you're gluten sensitive and you eat something with gluten and it gets to your small intestine to be absorbed, you produce a substance known as zonulin. Zonulin subsequently goes ahead and eats away at the grout. Then you develop the third factor that you need in order to develop autoimmune for most of us, not for everybody. Uh, you, deserve, you develop that third factor, which is what we call leaky gut syndrome or intestinal hyperpermeability. Things are leaking through your small intestine because you're gluten sensitive and you're eating gluten and you're producing zonulin. And where do they go? They go into your bloodstream to travel throughout your body and nourish the rest of your tissues in your body, the rest of your cells. Well, what happens is if you're gluten sensitive and you're eating gluten and you're producing zonulin and, and things are leaking through, bacteria, viruses, toxins, what happens is you have an immune response because your immune system is there specifically to fight off foreign substances that don't belong in our body. So now you're leaking like a sieve. Things are leaking through. Your immune system is trying to keep up with this. You go into what I call, it's my own little term, but a hyperimmune state is an easy way to put it, where your immune system's going crazy because things are leaking through. Now that leads to any number of autoimmune diseases, and this is why we see commonly that people have more than one. It's not unusual at all. So uh, things are leaking through. You develop autoimmune types of symptoms which can be kind of below the radar sometimes, which gradually creep up till you have full-blown symptoms. But the battle between your immune system and whatever's leaking through your, your uh, small intestine, that battle creates inflammation. And that inflammation uh, becomes chronic inflammation, which is seen in all chronic disease. In other words, when you have chronic inflammation, you're more likely to develop many, many other issues. So it's not just about your potential for autoimmune disease because leaking uh, things are leaking through. It's also the inflammation that's the byproduct. And that byproduct creates sore joints like arthritic conditions, whether it be degenerative disc disease or osteoarthritis, cancers, inflammation is seen in, uh, as part of a cause in cancers, uh, cardiovascular disease, inflammation is in cardiovascular disease. Senile dementia, Alzheimer's, inflammation is seen in brain disorders. There is so many different chronic diseases that have inflammation as part of their cause and exacerbate everything. So what we need to be able to do while we're treating people with autoimmune, we're going to be treating a whole lot of things because if we can correct the situation where we fill in the grout so you're not leaking anymore, into the small intestine, mm -hmm. then your body's going to be able to start to heal. And then we're going to be talking about the things that we can do to help heal our body. One of the things that's so interesting, Dr. Cohen, is that oftentimes people live with these symptoms for a long time, like you said. Like that trigger, can it can take time, right, to build up to the point where they're actually having debilitating symptoms and looking for what's wrong. Exactly. And one of the things that we also notice, Amy, uh, with autoimmune disease is that there are many people who may have gluten sensitivity issues and eat gluten all their life uh, and not develop autoimmune disease mm. until 
they have another stressor in their life. So mm. we see that so commonly. Uh, an example, uh, one of the one of the top examples we'll see people have Lyme disease as an example. Uh-huh. That that bug that caught that is transmitted to you uh, also is an additional trigger, and we see very commonly people have Lyme disease also have autoimmune. It, there's an association there with uh-huh. other types of conditions, whether you have surgery, whether you have emotional stress, psychological stress, which a lot of people are going through right now because we're right now recording during the times of COVID here. Uh, there's all kinds of stress going on. And physical and emotional stressors can actually put you over the edge where maybe you you're mild, nothing's going on. Maybe you have gluten sensitivity, but you're okay. But something else happens and boom. That was me. That was me. I I did have to come out and say that that was me. I was, I am gluten sensitive and have been gluten-free on a gluten-free diet for almost 15 years. But after I got pregnant and gave birth to my son, that was the trigger. So there was a lot of, you know, phys- physical and psychological stress associated with that. And that, that right after that is when I got my first autoimmune diagnosis. Hi, I'm your host, Amy Silverman. Have you shopped for CBD products lately? It's confusing. It's not at all like picking a prescription up from the pharmacy. And with so many options and so little transparency, it's hard to know what you're buying without doing hours of research. I've done the research and I personally love Kanakoru CBD products and I recommend them all the time. So these products were designed by a team of experts, including PhD scientists who founded the first research lab at the University of Colorado and they mapped the cannabis genome, and then they teamed up with some doctors and organic farmers to produce Kanakoru CBD. And this is full-spectrum organic CBD that you can buy online, and you can go to the website and check out their COAs, their Certificates of Analysis, which show exactly what is in each and every single product. So if you would like to experience the difference of Kanakoru CBD, you can go to kanakoru.org. That's C-A-N-N-A-K-O-R-U dot O-R-G to save 20% off your first order. And you're going to go to kanakoru.org and use the code ILOVEHEMP20 to get 20% off at checkout. That's the letter I... L-O-V-E-H-E-M-P-2-0 to get 20% off your first order of organic CBD. All right. Welcome back. Um, For those of you who are just tuning in to listen with us, we're talking with Dr. Cohen about autoimmune disease. And um, we are just about to get into... Um, how cannabis is uh, used um, here at Holos in the treatment of autoimmune disease. And uh, before we go there, um, I wanted to ask Dr. Cohen, um, what are the some of the most common autoimmune diseases that you see in your practice? There are actually many common autoimmune diseases, but I'm going to go over uh, a few things. And as I mentioned them, I'll give you a brief uh, description of some of those and what they are. Um, So first of all, one of the more common autoimmune conditions that we see is known as fibromyalgia. Um, 
Now, fibromyalgia uh, affects women uh, much more than it does men, as do many other autoimmune conditions. Um, and it shows up with uh, generalized pain in different parts of the body. Uh, it also uh, encompasses uh, insomnia. So uh, people who have fibromyalgia usually have a sleep disorder or insomniacs. Uh, and the third thing that it does, uh, it, it creates a fatigue, a chronic fatigue type of uh, syndrome that you would have. So pain, loss of sleep, insomnia, and uh, having an issue with chronic fatigue generally suggests that you might have fibromyalgia. And the way to diagnose it actually uh, is an 18-point trigger test where I would put my uh, thumbs in certain areas of somebody's body and press down. And if they have 11 out of 18 or more positive, that's generally considered diagnostic for fibromyalgia. But that's one of the most common uh, issues that we see. And what's great about cannabis is that we're talking about sleep, which cannabis can treat. We're talking about pain, which cannabis can treat. Uh, so cannabis works really well for our fibromyalgia patients. Another one we commonly see is rheumatoid arthritis. This is not osteoarthritis. They're different. Osteoarthritis is all about chronic inflammation that degrades the um, cartilage and, and you get bone on bone and joints. Uh, whereas uh, rheumatoid arthritis generally uh, most commonly affects the fingers. And people with RA, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, people with RA will generally have distortion of their fingers uh, and uh, they can't get rings on and off. Their joints are all distorted. They start dropping things, uh, and it gets wor progressively gets worse over time. Uh, just to uh, mention, uh, that was one of the conditions uh, uh, that my wife uh, has had uh, when we first started treating her. And when we did treat her, which I'll get into later, the treatment, um, what ended up happening after two years of zero gluten and some other things that we did, um, her fingers completely reverted back to normal. She was in complete remission. She could get her rings on and off. Uh, it was it was it was dramatic, and and uh, we've been seeing a lot of RA patients where they have had either a slowing of the progression of their disease, a halting of the progression, or even in best case scenario scenario a reversal um, uh, from their. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So that's another common uh, disease that we see. Um, we see Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis. Hashimoto's is a hypothyroid condition. Uh, very, very common. It's probably the most common of all autoimmune conditions is Hashimoto's. And it's a reason for the majority, actually, of hypothyroid conditions, why people take thyroid medicine. But a lot of doctors don't test for Hashimoto's because they don't do the antibodies. You can do an antibody test when you're doing your thyroid uh, screening on patients. And if their antibodies are positive, it's called an antithyroglobulin and a, and a TPO. Uh, those are the two that we look uh, at. And if they're elevated, then that's diagnostic for Hashimoto's. Uh, so you can actually find out, is your thyroid condition due to an autoimmune condition or not? And it's good to know that mm -hmm. because... If you have Hashimoto's, then maybe you can be uh, have other symptoms that mean that, A, um, 
maybe I need to give up gluten and do a few other things here to uh, treat my Hashimoto's, but maybe you're going to prevent other uh, conditions that can be autoimmune to occur. Then there's Graves' disease, which is kind of the opposite of Hashimoto's, and some patients go back and forth between the two. Graves' disease is a, is a hyperthyroid condition, autoimmune-related. We have gut-related issues, such as uh, Crohn's disease or, or ulcerative colitis. These are inflammatory bowel disease. You got that word inflammation again, inflammatory uh, so that's working in the general area of your intestines that we were talking about earlier. Um, so uh, those are very, very common um, conditions that we see with inflammatory bowel diseases of a variety uh, of the two varieties that I mentioned. Um, we will uh, see th things such as multiple sclerosis, MS. Uh, as a matter of fact, you had mentioned that uh, you had developed uh, uh, autoimmune after uh, your pregnancy. Well, my daughter, after her second child, developed multiple sclerosis. Um, and it wasn't, she didn't have any symptoms until after her pregnancy. And that was her exacerbating stress to her body that uh, set her off. Uh, but MS, multiple sclerosis, is the one uh, issue that was studied very heavily in the cannabis world because it was a drug called Sativex that comes out of the United Kingdom, which is available in many countries, but not in the U.S. because it is cannabis. Uh, and um, they were uh, actually using it for treatment uh, for MS. And there are many, many, many studies uh, from GW Pharmaceuticals who, who developed Sativex to show the benefit of treating uh, MS uh, with uh, cannabis, which we will talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, but MS is both an autoimmune and a neurodegenerative disease. And we will be spending a whole uh, segment, another episode down the road, we'll be talking about how cannabis can be used uh, in the neurodegenerative uh, diseases. Uh, so basically, um, we've got interstitial cystitis. A lot of uh, women who develop this uh, pain upon urination and spasm of their, of their bladder area, in their bladder area, uh, that's called interstitial cystitis. And a lot of people are unaware that that's an autoimmune associated disorder, just as endometriosis. Very common. I, I was an OBGYN before I got into cannabis and started taking an interest in autoimmune disease. Uh, and endometriosis was a very common problem we saw as an obstetrician gynecologist, uh, where, which causes pain before your periods, painful periods, and pain with intercourse for women, and can cause problems with fertility. There's an association of, of autoimmune with endometriosis. It's actually an autoimmune-related disorder. So there are there's lupus systemic lupus uh, which is another condition that affects organ systems and we see patients with lupus which is another autoimmune disease and i should mention psoriatic arthritis is another one uh, mm -hmm. ankylosing spondylitis there are so many different autoimmune diseases and and it's like i said one big umbrella so you may have certain um symptoms that may be associated with one autoimmune disease, but not uh, 
typical for uh, the one you're look you're being diagnosed with, but it may be because you're also tending towards other autoimmune related conditions as well. Um, so that's that's a, a huge issue where we see just this overlap of autoimmune conditions because it is one big umbrella. Yeah. So we see patients with all of these different autoimmune conditions and um, what are the way, like, how do you use cannabis to treat these different diseases and, and how does it work? And I know we've, we've kind of gone into this in some other episodes, but I'm hoping you can give us kind of an overview um, of, of the use of cannabis in the treatment of these autoimmune diseases. Sure. Uh, we're going to get into how cannabis is used, but I want to mention something before we go there. Mm, unless, sure. un- unless you work on the triggers, I don't care what medication you're taking, whether it's cannabis, CBD, THC, or whether it's another medication, unless you get rid of the triggers, you're not going to appropriately treat your condition. So you need to be on a, a nutritional program that's actually going to um, treat uh, the problem. In other words, we always recommend zero gluten and there are tests you can do for gluten sensitivity where you need to have a specialized test to look and see if you're producing zonulin, uh, whether you have leaky gut and there are tests to be done to do that. But first things first, you need to get rid of the triggers, whether uh, you need to work on emotional triggers as well as any other triggers that might be going on. But the number one trigger is going to be gluten and be aware that dairy often follows gluten. So many people are also dairy sensitive, even though gluten is a main trigger there. And then you need to consider another uh, issue with nutrition, which is being on a low inflammation diet where it eliminates the foods that can make everything worse. Uh, and that might be something like uh, paleo autoimmune type of nutritional program. Uh, and that's something that our patients will look into if they really want to get serious about this. But certainly giving up the gluten is, the gluten is essential. Uh, yeah. One. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, that's a huge part of the success that that patients have is, and it, it's important for people to understand before they kind of embark on medical cannabis for the treatment of their autoimmune issue that it's, it's not, it, it's not going, it's not like a magic bullet, like that you, you can just use cannabis and suddenly all your autoimmune symptoms are going to go away. That, that a lot of the success, most of the success that patients have is, is using cannabis in addition to these other lifestyle mo- uh, modifications, especially getting rid of those those triggers like gluten, um, and it can be a process of figuring out what those are. So basically, uh, you can go back, uh, and I'm going to go into an explanation now. But you can go back to our our uh, episode that talks about the benefits of CBD, and we cover it in some detail there of all the symptoms that uh, cannabis can treat, and we go into CBD especially. Uh, because it is the most medicinal part of the plant, in my opinion. But THC is also beneficial as well as as other uh, cannabinoids. Uh, So we do that in a different episode that has a chart that you can review uh, on the benefits of CBD. But I'm going to go over the salient points of of that right now. There are three, uh, um, there there are several actually major ways that um, cannabis can work. Uh, to treat your uh, autoimmune condition. 
a combination of CBD and THC, when they're used together, especially in about a one-to-one ratio, relatively equal amounts, is when you're going to get your best pain relief. So if you're treating a condition that is associated with pain, then uh, using THC with CBD combined in about a one-to-one ratio in whatever form you want, which we go over in a, another episode earlier that we recorded on delivery systems, um, you can figure out what you can use, how long it's going to last, what your dose is, and you can relieve your pain and your spasm by using a combination of CBD with THC. However, CBD has its own benefit, um, and we're talking about a full-spectrum CBD. We're not talking about isolates of CBD where they take CBD out of a plant, put it into a delivery system, and give it to you. We want the full spectrum of this plant because that's when CBD works the best. You need a little bit of THC, uh, hemp-based products that have 0.3% uh, THC or less is all you need. Uh, and you need uh, certain terpenes, and my favorite terpene is beta-caryophylline, which is an anti-inflammatory terpene that actually may be carrying the CBD to your receptors your, that deal with autoimmune conditions. So we've got um, CBD now which um, can do uh, a variety of different things. Number one, it is an anti-inflammatory. We talked about inflammation being the byproduct uh, that comes out of autoimmune conditions. You need to treat that inflammation because chronic inflammation uh, will cause other chronic diseases as you get older. And it's something that we need to put out that fire, that inflammatory fire that's going on in your body uh, that's caused by your leaky gut. Um, so we need to treat the inflammation and CBD is an amazing anti-inflammatory. We are now going to be looking at doing our research. Amy and I are looking at this now, along with some uh, scientists from the University of Colorado who uh, helped develop our, our, our line of product uh, that is CBD related. Um, and they're looking at, we're looking uh, with them at CBDA, which is a raw form of, uh, of, uh, from the raw plant. It's the acid form of CBD, which also may have benefit uh, for inflammation and other things that we're going to be looking into. And that's something we can talk about down the road once we uh, have a little bit of our investigative work going on here. Uh, But CBD is an anti-inflammatory, number one. Number two, CBD actually helps heal the gut. You will never heal your gut if you're gluten sensitive and you're still eating gluten You can take all the CBD you want, but if you're producing zonulin and you're eating away at that grout, CBD is not going to help you as much as you would like to. It'll do some good, Mm -hmm. reducing some of the symptoms, but it's not going to get to the core of the problem because you haven't gotten rid of the trigger, the main trigger. Right. I want to interrupt you here, sorry, just for a second. Related to gut health, um, I in part of this research that I've been doing, um, there's new interest, um, and this is kind of cutting edge research right now that's going on in relation to cannabinoids um, and, and CBD, the exogenous cannabinoids and THC, and their relationship to gut health through their support of the microbiome. Um, and I think that's just super fascinating. In addition to the zonulin piece, that it seems like there there could be multiple different ways in which cannabis and our own cannabinoids can in, help regulate and improve gut health, which is this huge kind of factor in all autoimmune diseases. 
that makes a, a total, that makes total sense to me. Um, and basically, um, Ethan Russo, uh, who is a neurologist who has worked with GW Pharmaceutical, helped them develop their product uh, for MS. Uh, he's one of the most famous researchers in the world in cannabis medicine. And one of the uh, issues that he brings up that might be due to a deficiency of our own cannabinoids, which CBD will help boost our own cannabinoids and help self-correct, um, it would be uh, uh, fibromyalgia and irritable bowel syndrome, and that's all related to our leaky gut. So it would make sense that not only uh, endocannabinoid deficiency, if we're not producing it on our own, we get it from exogenous uh, or phytocannabinoids, I should say, like CBD, uh, the exogenous rather than the endogenous, the ones we produce, um, may be very beneficial for that gut health. And it may be both. It may be filling in the grout as well as helping your gut microbiome, which is critically important to maintaining our health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. This is all kind of evolving, evolving research. Um, yeah. So sorry, I, I didn't mean to get you off topic there. So we were <laughs> we were talking about the gut health and the gut health factor that CBD can help improve that and it can improve the um, body's production of its own cannabinoids. I'm, not, I'm sure you're going somewhere next. <laughs> yes. So so basically what, what I was really getting to with gut health is that uh, CBD, the, the cannabinoids in this plant in general, CBD being the main one we're talking about right now, uh, because it ha probably has the most beneficial effect until we find out differently with other compounds, uh, that is gut healing. It helps heal our gut, but you cannot heal your gut unless you get the trigger out, mainly gluten and sometimes dairy and other foods. So, uh, so we have the anti-inflammatory part of what CBD does. We have the gut healing part of what CBD does. And the third thing that CBD does is it's immunosuppressive. So let me explain what that means. Um, when you have an autoimmune disease, if you watch any television and you see all these ads for what we call biologic drugs, they're the drugs that you'll see, uh, you know, you'll see uh, famous people like Phil Nicholson, who has uh, psoriatic arthritis, the golfer, uh, and uh, Phil Mixon is is over there uh, uh, with his daughter, and they're making uh, gluten pancakes, which is really pisses me off on that ad. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about taking Embril or Humira or this drug or that drug. These all these drugs that you see out there for psoriasis, which is also autoimmune, by the way. Uh, all these different drugs out there that you see for a variety of different conditions are biologic drugs to treat autoimmune disease. And what they do is they bring your immune system to a, a point where it's below normal and uh, you're, you're bringing your immune system down, but you're bringing it down below where it should go uh, with these drugs. And therefore, if you were to come in contact with other uh, pathogens, and we have a major one right now with COVID-19, um, you are more likely to have complications from those diseases because your body's not going to be able to fight it off because you're on an immunosuppressive drug. So these drugs have their place, but you have to realize that uh, they definitely have some downsides. 
And a major downside right now has to do with COVID-19 and your body's inability to fight it off if you're on one of these biologic drugs. I'm not telling anybody to go off of drugs that another physician is putting them on, but you should be aware that uh, these drugs are not without potential complications. So when I talk about immunosuppressive with CBD, we go back to the fact that our endocannabinoid system, the reason we make our own cannabinoids like ananamide and 2-AG are to bring everything back into balance in our body when things go out of whack. So we make our own cannabinoids, they're there to self-correct. Well, what happens is when you take CBD, you're actually boosting the production, decreasing the destruction of some of our own cannabinoids, which are there to help correct the problem. But you're self-correcting to the point where you're bringing everything back into balance. Therefore, it's bringing everything to normal, not below normal, like you would with these biologic drugs. So CBD is a great alternative for those who want to avoid biologic drugs. Again, I'm not telling you get off a drug another doctor is giving you. But if you haven't been on these drugs and or you want to talk to your physician about getting off these drugs because of side effects or whatever, you have that discussion. But CBD could be a great way to go because it is going to bring your immune system to a normal level so that you're not compromised in fighting this off. Uh, so there's a ton of information that we're receiving about cannabinoids and CBD again right now, in my opinion, is the most medicinal part of the plant until we learn more about other cannabinoids and find out how they work and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of, of research going on right now in, in all sorts of different cannabinoids. So hopefully we, we get to learn more. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, if you could give a, an example of like a typical patient um, and what kind of symptoms they might come in with and then kind of what cannabis regimen you might recommend and like how, how that would change their symptoms and kind of the course of their disease in like a general way. You're reading my mind, Amy. Oh no, really? <laughs> well, we that's good. Because <laughs> no, we work together, we do exactly. These exactly. No, that's exactly where I wanted to go. Okay, uh, cool. So basically, let's let's just take fibromyalgia as an example, mm -hmm. or MS, or any autoimmune disease. But let's do fibromyalgia as an example, because mm -hmm. uh, it has a, a few different things attached to it. We mentioned sleep. Not every autoimmune disease causes sleep disorders unless you're having pain or other issues around it. But THC, uh, as an example, or CBN, uh, which is a breakdown product of THC, we talked about that in our sleep episode. Uh, those are things that can help people sleep if you get the right strain, the right form. It could help you sleep through the night. So people who have sleep issues associated with autoimmune conditions, and some people do, not just fibromyalgia, um, you can use THC or CBN or other compounds in this plant to help you with sleep. When they did the study on MS uh, with uh, GW Pharmaceuticals, uh, Pharmaceuticals did the study, they, they specifically stated that CBD uh, doesn't necessarily help people with sleep, 
but uh, but if you have autoimmune conditions and the CBD is helping your autoimmune, you may find that in that situation, CBD can CBD can help you with sleep, just as if you're having anxiety. Uh, and that's keeping you awake. CBD is an anti-anxiety drug and can help you with sleep. But mostly CBN and, and THC and certain strains are your sleep medicines. When it comes to pain, then you're talking about a one-to-one ratio, just like they have in Sativex. We don't need Sativex here in the U.S. because we've got all kinds of tinctures and edibles and uh, product that you can inhale that are one-to-one ratios. And the one-to-one ratio is going to be the best thing to help pain and spasm. Um, so you would use whatever method of a one-to-one ratio or thereabouts of CBD to THC throughout the day or at night. And we and you can learn more about that when you go back to the episode that talks about delivery systems and how they work and the timing of things. So you can go back and review that. But uh, in the meantime, you can be using this uh, plant medicine to treat your pain your spasm, your sleep, uh, all of those issues. But when it comes to actually helping heal the body and actually treating what's going on, in addition to the other things we talked about with nutrition and lifestyle changes, exercise also very important. Uh, Can't discount exercise. Building muscle is extremely important to helping our body heal. But in addition to those lifestyle changes, you could be using CBD that comes from hemp. Uh, You need a full spectrum, meaning it has the entire plant uh, in that strain. Nothing taken out, nothing put back in. You want the plant in its natural form. That's when it works best with a little bit of THC in it, 0.3% or less. Beta-caryophylline, which is a terpene that may carry CBD to Uh, your receptors and help it work better. It's also an anti-inflammatory terpene in the plant. Um, And you're going to get a tremendous benefit in the healing process. Because again, that CBD that you would take, I would recommend twice a day, every day, 25 or so, maybe 25 to 50 milligrams, whether it be in a capsule form. And if you do capsules, you want to do that breakfast and dinner time. And you want to take it with fat. Uh, you can get the capsules. We can tell you how to get those. But you would take it with something that contains fat. It's best with about 10 grams of fat for absorption because these are what we call lipophilic drugs. They need fat for absorption. So whenever you're taking anything orally that has to go through your GI tract to be absorbed, you want to take it with fat. So breakfast and dinner twice a day, 25 to 50 milligrams of a of a of a capsule would be very good to take. You want to use it regularly like you take any medicine or supplement every day, twice a day. It's gradually going to start reducing your inflammation. It's gradually going to start healing your gut and it's going to be bringing your immune system to a normal level. And that's why uh, that's important. You could also take it in tincture. If you do the tincture, we have some uh, full spectrum tinctures. Some people prefer tinctures and that's great. Um, you just leave it under the tongue for a minute. You don't take it necessarily with food. You want to do it maybe 10 minutes before eating or so or more before eating. Give it a little chance to uh, absorb underneath the tongue or swish it around your mouth and then swallow it. And then you get a dual effect of what's absorbed underneath the tongue as what's absorbed in your GI tract. 
Uh, and again, you can get anywhere from, uh, t- say, 20 to 40 or 50 milligrams. Uh, you can do that sublingually twice a day. So whichever method you choose using a hemp-based product would be very beneficial as you're trying to heal and you're doing the other things that you're, you should be doing with your diet and your exercise uh, to try to help your body recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I, I just want to add to that. Um, what I work, I work a lot with the patients that you've seen in terms of their, their dosing and, and trying to figure out, you know, how much to take, when to take it. And one thing that's super interesting to me, um, this is a misconception I think about, about cannabis is that you need really high doses to be able to treat these kind of systemic issues. And that, I mean, is not what I have seen, um, in working with patients. Um, you know, for example, if you're looking at people who are suffering with uh, pain from fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis that I've spoken to lots of patients who who get relief from from like micro doses of THC in addition to taking the CBD on a regular basis but you know talking about like 2.5 milligrams of THC in a one to one ratio and they don't have side effects from that like psychoactivity um, right. Yeah. And I just, I, I think you probably see the same thing. Yeah. With some people like we don't, we don't, cannabis has side effects, but sometimes in the doses that you need to address symptoms, those side effects really aren't a huge deal for people because the dose can be so low. Exactly. And that, and that's a side effect we, people most commonly will discuss with THC because of the psychoactivity uh, and some other effects that THC can cause for some people that they don't like. Uh, but yeah, microdosing is good. Um, starting out, uh, especially if you're starting out with, say, an ingestible form, a gummy or something edible or whatever, you want to start out at a low dose. Anywhere from two and a half to five milligrams is a good starting point uh, and work your way up. Uh, two and a half milligrams is a great starting point. If you're getting a one to one ratio, say, of CBD to THC and something that you're ingesting or putting under the tongue, uh, you may want to start out with two and a half milligrams each, give it a few tries, see how you're doing with it, if it's helping you with your pain. Because again, you're using that THC with the CBD in order to reduce pain and symptoms, whereas you're using the CBD where you might be able to get into higher dosing with that to actually get to the root cause and treat the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I see that people who tend to have flares of their disease, they'll, they'll, that's when they'll, they'll get into using THC or a one-to-one ratio more for pain. And then just to kind of maintain, they're using that kind of moderate to higher dose of CBD on, on a daily basis. And I, I see, I talk to a lot of people with autoimmune disease where that's kind of the routine that they eventually fall into is that they use hemp-based CBD on a daily basis. Um, and they find that dose and delivery method that works for them. And then when their disease symptoms kind of flare, they, they might add in some one-to-one ratio, they might need help sleeping. And um, I think it's just important to put that out there to people um, that when we're talking about using cannabis for autoimmune disease, it doesn't necessarily involve um, these the side effects of THC that people um, are often averse to when they think about cannabis. And when you're talking about flares, you always also have to keep in mind with those flares 
did I have something that had gluten? Did I eat something mm-hmm. uh, that may have been contaminated? I know my wife, when she she starts having your GI effects from her leaky gut, if uh, if we went out, uh, although we're not going out to dinner now, but uh, <laughs> we went out to dinner and she would know by the next day or two that uh, they said it was gluten-free, but it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. Right. So you <laughs> oh, have to gosh. be really careful because that gluten will stay in your system and wreak havoc for, for several weeks. Uh, and yes. that's why it's really important to be zero gluten and reading labels and a whole nine yards, as well as doing your cannabis treatment. Yeah, no, that's totally true. It's a good time to trial it out too, because most people aren't going out to restaurants, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) back in the good old days. Um, (laughs) anyhow, I, um, I don't know. Do you have any other like closing thoughts or important pieces you want to add to this? Um, no, I think, I think we actually covered, we we covered it. I know. I think we, we covered a lot in this episode and, um, I want to add that we do have some, um, other resources for you if you're interested, including um, an ebook that's all about cannabis and autoimmune disease. And uh, Dr. Cohen and I wrote this ebook. And so if you're interested in that, um, you can find that um, in the podcast notes and, and also on our website, and you can download that. Um, and we, uh, yeah, that, I think that's it for us today. Thank you, um, Dr. Cohen. I just really enjoy talking about autoimmune disease with you because I feel like you are one of the, I don't know, handful of physicians that I've spoken to as a nurse that actually gets it. Um, and so it's just really, it's, it's refreshing to talk to a physician who gets it. <laughs> that makes well, I appreciate sense. That. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this is, uh, again, this is the most rewarding uh, side of medicine for me. And it's so rewarding, uh, not just because it involves family members personally, because all of us in my family seem to be gluten sensitive and, 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 and many of my family members have autoimmune. Um, it, it is just um, an amazing plant medicine that could be used so easily along with other approaches to heal people. And this is where we see our most significant results in our practice of treating anything out there. The best results we see is with autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So if you're curious or you have questions, you can contact us um, through our website or you can give us a call. And uh, thanks again for listening. We uh, are looking forward to getting some more podcasts out there soon. And uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your feedback. So if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, leave a comment, or if you want more information, you can find us online at www.holoshealth.org. That's Holos, H-O-L-O-S, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.org. Thanks. See you next episode.